Rudy's revelation. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. Sunday, Face the Nation, Maggie Brennan interviewed Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, the turtle, who tells Face the Nation it's a mistake for his Republican counterparts in the House to separate Israel aid from Ukraine aid, or, or why they're bundling aid packages, apparently another $60 billion for Ukraine they want, and they're trying to bundle that you know, taking advantage of the crisis in um, in Israel. So, and they're giving $16 billion to Israel, but the main tranche is $60 billion for Ukraine because most of the electorate is against spending on Ukraine any further, especially at the levels that they were spending before because people are more worried about the economy and what have you, inflation. Also, from Sunday Morning Propaganda, CBS Sunday Morning interviews Rhino Neocon, Utah Senator, and one-time GOP presidential nominee, Mitt Romney, dum-da-dum-dum, who says he is no longer at home within the Republican Party, uh, which is dominated by Donald Trump, and so that's no surprise. So, I'll be getting into these headlines, these stories, and more coming up right now. Ah! All right, so I'm going to start out with the New York Times here uh, in this article. By This is from the Metro section, I believe, from Eugenia Belafonte. On elite campuses, a new protest demand unwavering support Past student demonstration had sought to challenge the power structure. Now students want validation. The actual headline in the newspaper from Sunday was, in this era on campus protests, unity only in unmet expectations. So basically what they're saying here is the students want the colleges to support their point of view which back in the days of in the 60s and 70s anti-war protests, the students were happy just to voice their free speech. Um, but now they want the colleges, and you've seen this all the way through COVID and Black Lives Matter, is they want the faculty and the, and the college itself to reiterate the way they're feeling, which is not uh, the way it should be done. 
Um, I'll just read the lead here really quickly. It has become familiar paradigm on college campuses around the world or around the country, excuse me, since the start of the war in Israel. Hundreds of students at New York University faced one another late Tuesday afternoon in an exchange of chance accusations and disparagements. Now, this is what I said earlier is that this crisis was made was in the making and was made specifically as a divisive issue, not just in the United States, but worldwide. Um, Because after all, as the saying goes, divide and conquer. I'm just gonna move on to the next story here because I don't want to get into all this propaganda about what's going on in Israel, tit for tat, who's doing what and how and why. The fact of the matter being is that this is meant to be a divisive issue, and if you're taken aside, you're it's part you're part of the problem. Now, I had a back and forth with Perry uh, the other day uh, via email about his stance, and I don't disparage his stance. You could certainly have a stance, but if you want to be above the fray, I suggest you not to take a stance because you're just buying into the divisiveness. Um, of, of this issue. So I'm gonna go into some other stories here from the New York Times, uh, the Sunday New York Times, and particularly uh, a plea from native Hawaiians, the future of Maui rests on honoring its past. Now the actual headline from Sunday in the paper was for the future of Maui, native Hawaiians push for honoring its past. Which I agree, but the problem with this story here is that when the last story is, they're not being entirely truthful, The problem with Maui is the damage and the cause of the damage has been glossed over and already the New York Times is pushing forward and saying for native Hawaiians, they they wanna honor the past. Their whole town was burned down and a lot of the residents there were killed and a lot of children there were killed and the cause and the conspiracy behind the fire itself are are, are not being covered and According to what I've heard, the resident, a lot of residents um, from Lahaina are still interested into what the hell happened uh, with this uh, conflagration. So moving on from Bush versus Gore to stop the steal, Kenneth Chesbro, long strange trip, Mr. Chesbro, a button down Harvard lawyer evolved from a left leaning jurist to a key player in the Trump false elector scandal. What happened? The problem is what happened is he, he, if you look at this honestly, he doesn't trust the, uh, elect, the electoral system in this article by Elizabeth Williamson. But realistic, realistically, if you read into it, you find that in fact, that's not the case, is that he's a left-wing plant that went in to stop the steal and the New York Times paints him as some sort of wannabe who wants to be close to power or whatever. He is an operative that was used by the Democratic Party, obviously, to fight the Bush-Gore debacle, to fight in the Bush-Gore debacle, which he lost. And, And the second time, he's on the losing side. Now, I don't know what kind of... George W. Bush was supposed to be the winner, but I don't know what kind of operative he seems to be on the losing part of each struggle in the argument against the validity 
uh, the veracity of elections. And so that leads me to be skeptical of this person because they have him of going from one party to another and just the way they paint, paint him is another election denier that's behind Trump. But actually the problem is, is that he's an operative and that what he was doing, uh, you know, behind Gore and then moving over to a Republican like Trump, very strange. But, both, you know, in the case of Trump, he is certainly, Trump is certainly anti-establishment. So to be behind his losing argument against Stop the Steal is, is very skeptical. I'm very skeptical of this gentleman. Maybe he is just pointing out the fact that uh, the veracity of elections should be certainly questioned, but why he's on, in the two pivotal elections where there were questions, he was on the losing side. Um, I think he's an operative uh, for propaganda purposes to just say, oh, there is veracity uh, to the election and there's no need to question it. New York Times goes on to say, Middle East war adds surge in international arms sale. Israel's conflict with Hamas, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and the rise of China have brought a boom for weapons makers and a chance for Washington to build closer military ties to other countries. They don't talk about the fact that taxpayer money, not only that, but we're deficit spending, and we need to keep spending apparently to keep the economy afloat. And so more deficit spending, what is what is the only reason you would keep... Uh, doing this damage to the economy, more deficit spending, well, it's conflict. And so they certainly, they're making it, uh, Middle East war adds a surge in international arms sale. The real boon is the war against Russia and they wanna keep that going. That's the whole reason they allowed this conflict to erupt in the Middle East is to provide cover for the surge of deficit spending again with $100 billion that Biden is proposing, most of which, $60 billion was supposed to go to Ukraine, it's completely glossed over by the war in the Middle East. No one could take their eyes off the shiny new ball in the news media. And I'll just read this lead here by Eric Lipton. Just days after the assault by Hamas ignited a new war in the Middle East, shipments of American weapons began arriving in Israel. Smart bombs, ammunition, interceptors for the Iron Dome missile defense system, and President Biden's planned meeting in Israel on Wednesday with Prime Minister Be Benjamin Netanyahu. More military aid is likely a topic. That's true because he's promising, we already give Israel $6 billion a year, mostly for defense, and now we're, we're supposedly gonna give them another $16 billion. And the real, as we're gonna look into in just a minute, one of the real issues is not even Russia and not even Hamas or even Iran, which are, are small bit players. They're just made up to be these specters raise the specter of Islamic militancy so you can boost arms sales. But realistically, as Trump and the Russians both pointed out in the defeat of ISIS, is these ragtag groups of Islamic militants are not any match for any sophisticated Western military, including Israel. And that's why we know uh, the attack was allowed to happen because a few hel helicopter gunships or a quick reaction force on the Gaza border by IDF would have easily 
um, kept this from happening or even going any further. But not only that, they were allowed for seven hours to, to conduct this incursion and this murder and then flee back into Gaza. Because if the fighters were not allowed to flee back into Gaza, that wouldn't uh, green light a, a military push into northern Gaza is what uh, the IDF really wants, or I guess Benjamin Netanyahu, because he knows he's going to widen a war, which of course is going to provide him cover for his uh, judicial malfeasance. Also from the New York Times on Sunday, Biden and aides advise Israel to avoid widening war with Hezbollah strike. U.S. officials leaned on the Israeli defense minister and other military officials supported a preemptive strike on Hezbollah. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been cautious. They're moving, I, of course, I would suggest, obviously, a, a staid hand in this, but that's not really what's going to happen. This is, a, of course, a widening of a war, but an escalation of hostilities uh, was meant to happen for a variety of, it's multifaceted for a variety of different reasons. The main reason is to keep um, deficit spending on in Ukraine against the Russians, but also because that's the real money laundering is the money going into Ukraine and getting kicked back to people within the Democratic Party, not just the Democratic Party, but others as well. You know, we're going to look at some <laughs> Republicans um, and, and where their investments are and what have you. You know, spending is the key to getting rich. How do politicians get rich? Is spending your tax dollars. And there you have, they funnel the cash where they want it to go. And they obviously are invested, whether above board or below board, um, to get money back from your tax dollars being spent. And not, it's not even your tax dollars per se, as much as your grandchildren's tax dollars or you know the whole mortgaging of, of the taxpayer at large well, well into the future. What's making you lean towards Trump? This is an article here. Um, and they, again, in the opinion pages, interview Republicans um, about Trump and, and again, try to paint it as they often mischaracterize in the New York Times about how people really feel, as I mentioned hundreds of times before, over half of the American electorate support supports Donald Trump. That's why all this is going on to derail his campaign is because he has overwhelming support within the electorate more than any other candidate. And so they want to portray it as oh, it's very tepid support, it's tentative, it doesn't, they support him because there's no one really better out there. And, and this is what some of the people say, Amy, 51, white, from South Carolina, I don't know why that's important, I felt safer. He unbalanced a corrupt system, says Christian 38, multiracial from Nevada. Um, and as we go on, um, why these 11 Republicans like Trump but might bail on him. And um, again, their focus group with 11 uh, Republican primary voters, Trump is going to win the nomination without a doubt. It is nothing, the nomination is closed. For our focus with uh, 11 Republican primary voters, we want to hear from people who are leaning toward Trump but who say they, 
We're open for voting for another candidate. We wanted to better understand. Blep, blep, blep. These Republicans are drawn to the idea of a disruptive leader who will shake up the system. As I said for many years already, the, the mood of the electorate is strictly anti-establishment. Overwhelmingly, 75 to 80% don't, and if you look at the polls, that don't believe America is going in the right direction and believe that the political system is corrupt, not democracy itself, because democracy, after all, is a process. So a couple of them quite like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., several of them favored a gut instinct of upsetting people from time to time with leadership as leadership traits. Uh, and they go on. They're failing to give these voters reasons to pass on Mr. Trump's candidacy. The other candidates' collective strategy thus far are taking some swipes. So Mr. Trump are making cases for themselves hasn't been enough against a recent former president. Of course, nobody nobody wants to bail on Trump because he's the only anti-establishment candidate that has proven his mettle. Most people, and I said, the, the electorate, the sentiment of the electorate is anti-establishment, but who's gonna take out on the establishment, not take out the establishment, take on the establishment, and at least try to win? Trump has proven his mettle. DeSantis seems like, Everybody and all the other candidates, except for maybe Robert F. Kennedy Jr., seem like they're on board with the establishment. The problem with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which is he is a Democrat and he uh, favors a lot of socialist programs, um, and more spending is definitely not what we need. His stances on the border, which were old Democratic stances, are indeed correct, and his stances on, particularly on vaccine, COVID, oranges, all those things are correct too. And maybe the war on Ukraine are correct too, but his domestic policies are just like other Democrats. And really, uh, considering our deficit spending, uh, we need to rein in spending, period, domestically and and, and in, in foreign policy as well. So it's not just that. So moving on, uh, this is an important, uh, moving on into the opinion pages, this is an important one. The moral deficiencies of a liberal education. If you didn't see recently Bill Maher on his show uh, called out um, liberal education, the fact that going to universities and Harvard and whatever turns out the most brainwashed, you don't have to go to a re-education camp you you can actually go in debt by financing an education, which is actually a re-education camp. And Bill Maher gets into this, and so does this person, Ezekiel Emanuel, which if you don't know, is Rahm Emanuel's brother. We have failed when the coalition of 34 student organizations at Harvard can say they hold the Israel regime entirely responsible for unfolding violence and students at other elite universities blame Israel alone for the attack Hamas carried out on Israelis on October 7th or even praise the massacre. Something is deeply wrong in American colleges and universities. Now, I'm not a fan of Ezekiel, Ezekiel Emanuel, but Bill Maher had it right also. People are getting indoctrinated um, it's really basic mind control. The left is a cult, and it's you have to follow every prescribed political notion from the left, whether it's LGBT or 
what have you, or uh, support for Palestine, or anything else for that matter. The point is, is that most of the people that are are college, have college degrees, or college learned, don't know much about history, or what the hell's going on. Because if they come down on the side of Ukraine, they're really stupid because they don't know history. They don't know what happened there. They don't know that Ukraine has only really been a country since 91, and before that, for the most of the time, it was part of the Russian Empire. And the fact is that Russia as a nuclear power has some security concerns, particularly around the Black Sea and its Black Sea fleet and uh, the security of the Black Sea. And they find that Russia joining NATO would put them in a precarious security position. And But people don't understand that. They're like the poor people in Ukraine. Well, stop sending them, the young women and men of Ukraine, stop sending them into the meat grinder where hundreds of thousands have died in Ukraine and really only tens of thousands in Russia, um, Ukraine is losing and we're funneling more and more American tax dollars there without even attempting to broker peace. So like I said, I'm not a fan of Ezekiel Emanuel or Rahm Emanuel either, but everybody is pointing out, uh, most moderate liberals, is that the kids coming out of college today are, are, are way out there. I mean, my nephew has a college education and you know, what did he do as soon as he was out of college at the Thanksgiving table? He said, I don't believe in private property. What? I mean, that's just, and so he goes on into, into his career and doesn't own much of anything. Well, of course, if you don't own anything, that why would you believe in private property? It's just from, from your economic standpoint, as young peace people always or often do, they're always socialist in their ideals, because they don't own anything. But once you go out and work and after 20 years or 15 or 20 years in a career and you have built some wealth, uh, you don't want that taken away or undermined. So Ross do that, who is the um, resident conservative uh, opinion writer, why we should fear China more than the Middle Eastern war. I, I, the original title in the newspaper is why we should fear China most. And he spells it out correctly. Uh, what's happening in the Middle East is a distraction. It's a trap sent by, uh, uh, set up by BRICS nations, uh, particularly by Russia and China. My brother was like, Russia. And it's always people don't say Russia. They say Putin. Putin did it. Putin isn't a dictator, okay? He works within a government and uh, an elite that support what the government and support him and support what he's doing. Even Hitler, okay, he wasn't the grand masters. He had corporations and a military industrial complex behind him as well. So when people say Putin invaded, Putin invaded Ukraine, Putin didn't, Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, so it wasn't Putin, it was, and, but Russia and China have interest into starting something up in the Middle East. It is indeed a trap. It's to suck resources from the West to further weaken the United States, on and on and on, when Ross here states that China is the real enemy and they win from a war, from us, you know, spending our treasure in Ukraine and for us spending our treasure in the Middle East and, and we become weakened overall. It's the same thing with uh, socialist and democratic policies in the United States. They... And culturally, it's 
it's a cultural subversion. It's fifth generational warfare. We're being weakened and, you know, not just economically, but culturally, militarily, you know, on and on and on. But he goes on to say, he quotes, when terrorists don't pay the price for their terror, when dictators don't pay the price for their aggression, he declared, then keep going. They keep going. And the cost of the threats to America and the world keep rising. This is Joe Biden. Broadly speaking, Biden is correct, of course. The United States has a strong interest in preventing rival powers from redrawing maps of undermining America's democratic allies, but the difference between the presidential strategic analysis, the general substance of Biden's words, of any acknowledgement of difficult trade-offs and specific absence of the reference to China as a potentially more significant threat than Russia or Iran, indeed. So he gives, you know, this is the New York Times, so Ross gives a nod to Biden, and, you know, everything is always veiled with some truths, uh, but the real glaring mistake, as he points out here, is the fact that China is our adversary on all different levels. Russia is not, why we attack Russia, but we had, you gotta understand when they point out, and even Mitch McConnell did this, you point out the axis of evil. They went after Syria. They went out. They're going after Iran. They're going after Russia, and they're going after China and North Korea because they're all closed societies. And the New World Order or the Open Society Foundation can't have closed societies. So closed societies will be defeated because they're closed. Because if open societies are open for subversion psychological subversion. And so they want that. They don't want a country that's closed to certain ideas. It's the same reason that TikTok is subversive in the United States is because we're an open society. So the Russian communist, excuse me, the Chinese communists were allowed to put forth an app that everybody loved and it actually uh, shortens your attention span and it's used to subvert the United States culturally. All right, enough there. Let's get on to um, Mitt Romney. We'll go to, well, let's go to Turtlehead first. Um, so uh, the the Senate Minority Leader, the frail Mitch McConnell, the Turtlehead, um, is an establishment Republican whose wife uh, and he and he also makes money from business from China, and they're of course, want to spend your tax dollars on a war in Ukraine. And so he's like, if you want border security in the United States, it somehow has to be bundled with funding for the war in Ukraine. And the same thing is, oh, if you support Israel, it has to be bundled with support for the war in Ukraine. Why these things can't be separate bills, it's beyond me. You sound like you have a lot in common with President Biden. <laughs> Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell has not done many interviews this year, <laughs> but he invited us to Capitol Hill Friday to talk about President Biden's request to Congress for more than $100 billion in aid for Ukraine. What? There's resistance among some Republicans, including here in the Senate, about bundling things together. <laughs> Is it possible to pass Ukraine aid if it's not tied to Israel? I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I just think that's a mistake. I, I, I mean, I know there are some 
Republicans in the Senate and maybe more in the House that mm -hmm. think U Ukraine is somehow different. <laughs> I view it as all interconnected. And you've said that you believe there is enough oversight of aid to Ukraine. Why hasn't that persuaded some members of the, of the Republican caucus? I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. If you look at the Ukraine assistance, let's, let's talk about where the money's really going. The New World Order. <laughs> A significant portion of it's being spent in the United States in 38 different states. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. That's what President Biden's seeking to do. It's, it's correct. No Americans are getting killed in Ukraine. Blow up! I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful. You sound like you have a lot in common with President Biden. <laughs> on, on this issue that we were discussing today, <laughs> we're generally in the same place. Well, we want to make sure we're not sending money to Hamas, I can tell you that. But we, we want to be careful about That's not funny. how the money is spent. <laughs> be sure it actually gets where it's supposed to get. Hello, Grandpa. <laughs> well, I hope we're going to have a speaker sometime soon. That's not funny! Look, I think we need to get tougher with Iran, and I do think the weakness of both the Obama administration and the Biden administration, they're funding Hezbollah, Hamas, creating problems all over the Middle East, and... Uh, we shouldn't be doing any business with them. And we need to stand up to the axis of evil, not try to do business with them. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe. People wonder about your health. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm completely recovered and uh, just fine. Uh, you and your office felt the need to, to share and disclose some of the details about your health because of some of these public incidents. And the doctor here said there was no evidence of Parkinson's disease or a stroke or, or a seizure. Um, and I wonder, is there anything the public should know that wasn't disclosed? Uh, I'm in good shape, completely recovered, and back on the job. So does that mean that you think you are able to continue serving and you want to continue serving here at a time when we are talking about incredible dysfunction in Washington? You've made clear you have a lot of policy disagreements with the former president, Donald Trump. Doesn't it trouble you that he is the front runner for the Republican nomination, given the questions he has raised about aid for Ukraine, for example. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. It's the candidate for president when you have a presidential election who becomes obviously the most visible person in your party. And we don't know who that's going to be yet. What? Dabbling in the presidential election is something I'm just not going to do. Outright treason. You sound like you have a lot in common with President Biden. <laughs> I don't make money from China. You do. Yeah, and that's the thing with um, Mitch McConnell. He's an establishment Republican who's on the grift, and he's got money to make. And if you don't know, there's a civil war within 
you might have noticed already, a civil war within the Republican Party and the establishment Republicans want to go back to sucking on the corporate tit without any interference from MAGA. And that's why uh, Mitch McConnell did not support Blake Masters in Arizona or Chewbacca in Alaska is because he's trying to shore up his establishment support in the Senate. And as if you look at the most of the Republican senators or establishment, like Mike Lee, maybe not, some aren't, but and most of the House, the representatives, which are the popular representatives, are, are supporting MAGA. So there's this civil war going on literally in the in the House of Representatives on the on the Republican side and its House Republicans against the Senate. So before we close out, just gonna go to this piece by from CBS uh, Sunday morning where they talked to Mitt Romney, another rhino in the Senate, another Senate Republican who has no interest in, he talks about preserving the Constitution, he's full of shit. All they wanna do is make money and suck on the corporate tit and serve their masters in, in the corporate conspiracy. They have no issue in, in supporting um, anybody, uh, any of their constituents or any of the American people, especially the, the non-coastal uh, elites, or I should say, anybody that isn't a coastal elite. So let's get into uh, Mitt Romney. As you've no doubt heard, there's much debate about politicians in Washington remaining in office into their 80s and even 90s. <laughs> Last month, Senator Mitt Romney said he wasn't going to be one of them, announcing he'll retire at the end of his time. Oh yes, I have a call with the president. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny! It's interrupted by a call from the President of the United States. He worries deeply about the future of his party. You were once the party's nominee, and now you're a pariah in the Republican Party. Yeah, that's, that's saying it. Yeah, no question, I don't really have a home in my party. George Herbert Walker Bush and George W. Bush and John McCain, those are the people that have shaped our party. What? And I don't recognize that in the great majority of our party today. <laughs> and, uh, and that, for me, is very troubling. I think it's time for guys like me to get out of the way and have people in the next generation step forward. Because... Without having to worry about how voters will see him, He's now concerned about how history views his legacy. Outright treason. In a new biography by McKay Coppins, published by Scribner, part of CBS parent company, Paramount Global. I might have said, that's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's Oops. not funny! Now that I've read the book, it's like, oh, did I, did I really say that about this person? That's oh, not funny! Goodness. The book is revealing. <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard a single member of my uh, caucus, the Republicans in the Senate say, you know, Donald Trump is great. Aren't we lucky to have him as our leader? Outright treason. Donald Trump represents. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe. In a way, he almost was like a spy behind enemy lines. Outright treason. Romney gave Coppins, a staff writer for The Atlantic, what? hundreds of text messages and emails. What? The two met close to 50 times, often late at night, when Romney would tell all. Treason. You are quoted in the book as saying, a very large portion of my party really doesn't believe 
in the Constitution. Romney, who barely escaped the mob on January 6, 2021, <laughs> was at the Capitol that day, despite no. the concerns of his wife, Anne. I do get death threats, um, and her feeling was I would not be safe and I shouldn't go. A year earlier, Romney had been the lone Republican senator to vote to impeach then-President Trump. Treason. Pressuring Ukraine's president to find damaging information on political rival Joe Biden. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. Extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. My dad is my life hero. As a Republican governor, he refused to endorse the nominee of his party, Barry Goldwater, for president because he thought he was... Extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. The book reports on a phone call to Anne from Oprah Winfrey, alleging that Oprah said if Mitt ran for president, she would be his running mate. What? Anne Romney tells a different story. <laughs> she was trying to figure out how Mitt could do an independent run. I remember trying to explain to her that that doesn't work politically. I was the one that suggested, well, Oprah, why don't you run with him and see how that works? <laughs> I don't think it was funny. really her thought. My life is defined by my relationship with my family and my faith. Joseph Smith was called a prophet, dum, 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 dum. He started the Mormon religion, dum, 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 dum. That's what I live for. Those other things are part of the life experience, but that's the defining measure of my life. Dum, 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 dum. Well said. <laughs> Joseph Smith was called a prophet, dum, 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 dum. He started the Mormon religion, dum, 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 dum. Oh, yes, I have a call with the president. Yeah, he's another traitor uh, to the Republican cause. He's not a constitutionalist. And I can't stand these people that are not constitutionalists that say MAGA doesn't support, uh, or Donald Trump doesn't support the Constitution. That's exactly what we support. Republican government. That's why you're a rhino. Republican government means the, the government is run by the people, not by the politicians who are in there just a lot of times just for power and money, but anyway. That's it for me. Uh, ran a little late and a little long today, excuse me. So I'm gonna be trying uh, to do a couple things um, with the video, change the format a little bit, but don't forget to engage the channel, like, subscribe, uh, share the podcast, uh, leave a comment down below, check out my other web, uh, website, libpop.org, learn about libertarian populism. You can find the audio podcast on Substack and at rudysrevelation.com. Don't forget, you're under attack psychologically, biologically. 